Bible listeners, we've got a special sponsor uh, for today's episode. It is AG1. AG1 has been something that I've really enjoyed using in my spare time. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole source food nutrients in one scoop that you can use into your water. You stir it up. I use it before my workouts, before I start my day, and it has totally given me the energy I need to do the little things in life, like going to work getting extra, you know, an extra boost, a second wind, if you will, for a workout before I play pickleball with my friends, just, it puts you in a good spirit of mind and you know, you're doing the healthiest possible thing by putting AG one in your body. Make sure to check us out and get a special deal with the Bruin Bible. It's www.drinkag1.com slash Bruin Bible to get the special deal that we provide. Once again, www.drinkag1.com slash Bruin Bible to get that special deal. Now, back to the Bruin Bible. What is up and welcome to a brand new edition of the Bruin Bible. Very special guest in the house. One of my favorites, Mr. Austin Gale. And when we were thinking about who would be the perfect person to come in and break down the San Diego State Aztecs, Austin was at the top of the list, kindly decided to come on the show. We had met him on Radio Row uh, for the Super Bowl two years ago back in 2022 could not have been a nicer guy so we are just thrilled to have mr gale in the house austin how are we doing on this fine wednesday afternoon in los angeles i'm doing good i I still feel an undefeated season potentially for san diego state now that could all come crashing down (laughs) when they lose (laughs) to ucla this coming week which i I think is, is is fairly likely they're 14 and a half point underdogs but as long as there's an O in the schedule, I will hold out hope that my San Diego State Aztecs are going to the national championship, just like I did last year when we Dang. nearly won the national championship in basketball. Not last year, but obviously in basketball. Lamont Butler, that shot over FAU, I- I'm still buzzing. I'm still buzzing off that. Dog, I am buzzing as well. I mean, you guys, it's really weird the connection that Mich- University of Michigan has to San Diego State. When you look at it, Steve Fisher was the coach before he passed it down to Brian Dutcher who led you guys to the Final Four. That was the coaching staff of the Fab Five back at the University of Michigan. Now, Brady Oak, the head coach for you guys, was the Michigan coach back in the early 2010s for University of Michigan. So it's a really kind of interesting kind of conundrum there where you guys are kind of, you know, adding some of the Michigan elites and the former coaches there uh, to you guys at San Diego State. I think that's where we got to start. Brady Oak, 38-24 and in his fourth season uh, as being the Aztecs head coach. How have you felt about him as an alumnus, you know, talking about Brady Hoke with your friends and what you guys have seen from him? I I do think that I bring it up to some friends that maybe didn't graduate from San Diego State and it's Brady Choke around those parts, especially those who went to (laughs) Michigan. But I I, I like the on-field decision-making. I think what he's doing to maintain a prominent defense, something that the San Diego State Essex have had for a while, I think is impressive. I think overall, though, to compete in college football, you need a star at coach. You know, you need someone who can recruit, someone who can bring in legitimate star talent. I mean, we're seeing what's happening with Colorado, right? I mean, like, yes, Deion Sanders effectively is 
probably as good, if not better, than Bree Hoke as a game planner and, and being able to hire coaches and, and all of that stuff. But, like, can you bring in five stars? <laughs> can you bring in four-star and five-star yeah. talent? And that, I think, is a better – I mean, it's a better metric to evaluate head coaches, specifically head coaches in college football, than any, you know, offensive or defensive mastery. I think they've been struggling with the same thing since I graduated in 2017. Can they find a quarterback? Can they get – a quarterback that can come in and run this offense that will always be run heavy. That has been run heavy for ever since Donald Pumphrey and, and Rashad Penny. Can yeah. they create a, a formidable offense? I mean, the same thing is with the San Diego state basketball, like San Diego state basketball. So good on defense. They've always had these good defenders every year in this, in the tournament, they're always this team. That's a scrappy defensive team that can't score. And like, we're watching kind of the same vibe. San Diego state is a, is a tough defensive first run the football gritty 90s 80s type of program both in basketball and in football I think in order to compete and actually not joke about a national championship and not be a 14 and a half point underdog to UCLA at home you got to find a coach that can recruit star talent I'm not saying push Brady Hoke out but like maybe when this realignment changes right maybe when San Diego State is no longer viewed as a group of five type of team things can change but until then you're trying to win the Mountain West just like every year and they have been very dominant in the Mountain West over the past few years yeah, and I think maybe the logical step for them is to kind of follow the path of your Utahs, your Colorados, your Arizona, and Arizona States. Why not sniff the Big 12? When you get that bigger conference, mm-hmm. more allotted money, it kind of allows you to get more of these star recruits in there. And you nailed it, man. The defense has been so impressive for the last decade. You guys have finished 21st in the nation in total defense or lower. Uh, that That's the lowest you guys have finished, 21st. Uh, over you know the period of time since 2013 so a lot of great things you guys have been doing defensively the passing game you guys had struggled a lot last year in the first five games I believe for for the first five games you had your quarterback play with the passing yards uh, under 70 yards in some of those games which is hard to believe in the current (laughs) age of college football but you guys turned it into Jalen Maiden who has a crazy story in his own right former Mississippi State quarterback, switches to defensive back going to San Diego State. You guys are so desperate at the quarterback position, you switch back to him. And this guy's a true mm-hmm. dual-threat quarterback. You know, he had the 54-yard touchdown to seal it last week against Idaho State. Uh, the passing, there's still a lot left to be desired there, in my opinion, but he is a playmaker, yeah. to say the least. Talk to me about your guy Maiden, because there's something there with him at the quarterback spot. Yeah, I like Maiden a lot. I think that if you are a dual threat quarterback in college football, one of the more important attributes to have is confidence. Like you have to say, okay, I'm going to run it here. Like I, if I don't see my first read, if I don't see my second read, I have to talk the football and run it. That's what my edge is as the type of player that I am in college football, especially in the group of five, especially at San Diego state. If you try to maybe too quickly develop as this passer and get to your third, fourth, fifth progression in an offense that doesn't even have three or four capable receivers, you're going to struggle. Right. And I think, the Idaho State game, I think, opened up a lot in terms of Jalen Maiden can take over games. Like, he can he can take over games in that, okay, I'm just going to be the best player on the football field right now because my receiving core maybe doesn't have it or the offensive line is taking a step back. The running back situation is nowhere near what it has been in previous years, obviously, yeah. with Rashad Penny, Donald Humphrey, all that stuff. It hasn't been the same talent churner that it was when they were winning that, you know, Mountain West championships in 2015 and 2016. I will say – I worry. I worry that when you do get in the games where you do have to throw the football and you can't just tuck it and run and they're running QB spies and, and they're keeping you inside the pocket, do they have the receiver talent and do they have the, is Maiden good enough to win in those situations? The argument's probably no. And that's why, again, you bring up the spread against UCLA and why it's so vast and it's over two touchdowns. 
could he surprise people? Maybe, but I, I think it's, I think where the line is currently is very fair. Yeah. And you know, it's just been tough for them to generate any sort of passing offense when it comes down to it. Ryan Lindley, of all people, former Aztec legend, now the offensive coordinator for San Diego State. Some cool stuff going on there. Um, any receivers that you think could stand out? I mean, we talked about it, the lack of talent there. Shavers and Matthews are out from last season. Redmond, the tight end, is your leading receiver, six catches, 69 yards through two games. Is there anyone that we would we would fear as UCLA fans coming into this game if, you know, maybe he caught a screen pass and goes 70 yards or something of that nature. They don't have a Sturdivant, that's for sure. <laughs> He's not there. He's not walking through that door. I, I don't know if there's someone that legitimately causes fear in the opposing defense. You know what I mean? It's someone who has the chops to be a star. Now, I do think the, the freshman, Balen Brooks, who had a lot of snaps so far this season, or, you know, I think 65 snaps is more than I thought he was going to originally play. Could he be someone that offers juice potentially? I don't know. I, I think the SDSU is another one of those programs too. It's like closer to Iowa than it is like your fun West Coast team and that like they play seniors. Like they like juniors. They like seniors. They don't like playing young players. They recruit to develop. That's rough a very big part of the lot. Very similar. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So I, I wonder if, you know, you think about these like spark plugs, guys who like come in as freshmen or come in as sophomores that have a little juice, have a little spark. They're just not going to see the snaps that these other guys have, like the redshirt sophomores or the juniors, the seniors that are going to be playing. I, I, I'm I, more interested in this game being close if the defense, San Diego State's defense specifically, is able to like contain UCLA, especially with the new rule, right? You saw Chip Kelly complain about it. I think yeah. at halftime of last week's game, right? Where he's like, Dude, I got four drives. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. I do think that. Uh, something I am looking forward to seeing in all of college football this year with the rule that on first downs, the tie doesn't already automatically stop. Will we see tighter spreads, right? Will it be harder for there to be 30, 40, 50 point spreads like we've seen with Alabama versus Mercer or Tennessee versus, you know, Alabama state, like those 40, 50 point spreads might be gone because you're just not going to have enough drives to put at those points, let alone beat down on teams that, if you do run the classic underdog game plan and that we're going to limit their possessions, we're going to try and hold on to the football first, second down, we're going to run the football, create easy down and distances. You could get into a situation where Chip Kelly, who's one of the fastest play callers and like runs one of the faster offenses over the last 10 years is only running four drives a half. So that will be the game plan, right? It's not going to be some star receiver putting up 250 yards for San Diego state. It's going to be very much like they only had three drives in the first half. They scored on all of them. Two of them were field goals. That is the game plan that you need to have if you're San Diego State trying to win this one. Yeah. Over, under, like, do you think, you know, San Diego State could put up 27 and a half points this game, especially with the clock management that you were just talking about? Is that a realistic number for this offense to expect? No. I, I, <laughs> I think that would be a hard number for UCLA's defense, which when you think about the edge defender that they have, Latu, I think he's going to be a first-round type of player. I want to see – more juice from him. I want to see that first step be like different, but the hands, the it's there's a lot to like about his game. And and when you watch college edge defenders that are a little bit older, I think he's had chances to kind of come out, but he hasn't. I I wonder if I wonder if I overvalue people who use their hands really well in college because he does. He has a very versatile pass rushing skill set, which I've fallen in love with these guys before. Does he have the athletic juice? The juice is so important, and like. When he tests, that'll be a big determiner. But this guy has a deeper pass rushing bag 
than probably any pass rusher, even like a, a, a Jared Verse at Florida State, who people think yeah, is the best defensive player awesome. on this upcoming class. Like, Latu has so much deeper of a pass rushing arsenal in terms of the moves that he can put on. That I think is really impressive. But defensively for UCLA, if you're giving up over 27 and a half points to San Diego State, you got a long road ahead if you're going to be competing with USC, et cetera. Yeah, especially with this Pac-12 and how loaded it is in the final year. Are you familiar with Latu's story? Because he is such a badass. I mean, he had to medically retire for two years. He didn't, like, play any downs, any snaps. The pandemic in 2021 comes to UCLA kind of like your classic, you know, shooter Mark Wahlberg. They kind of, like, talk him back into getting back into the game. And he just, you know, immediately has ten and a half sacks, like rolling off the bed, you know, after two, two years mm-hmm. of not freaking playing. So Latu's a special, special yeah. talent, man. I mean, I love the clip that you posted of him and his pass rushing against Coastal Carolina because I think the sky is the limit for Latu, man. But let's go to the defense. I had to look at this number twice. You guys have six interceptions in the past two games. I mean. What is going on here? Sedarius Barfield, I saw the pick that he made. Dante Whitner, who was calling the game, was like, this guy is an absolute player for what he was able to do. Talk to me about Barfield. Talk to me about this secondary, because that really seems like the strength of San Diego State, and it has been for the past decade uh, from what I've been able to see. Oh, absolutely. I, I think um, Tumblin, number 10, Noah Tumblin for San Diego State, I think he's a fantastic corner. I, I really like Malone. He The Malone. secondary has been somewhere where – where, where San Diego, the secondary has been something that San Diego State has really, really prided itself in. They haven't turned out a ton of uh, NFL-caliber talent in terms of guys who are starting in the league, but they have put, I think, a surprising amount of secondary players into the league that have picked up. Darren Hall is one that went to the Senior Bowl. Um, you have uh, Cameron Kelly, who had bounced around in the XFL, AFL. DeMonte Casey is one that a lot of people know. They've had secondary players make the league because I do think that they recruit and develop really well there. It's also a defense like the Aztec star defense where they only run three defensive linemen and run a ton of defensive backs. It's one that prepares you for the league, I think, a little bit better than other college defense that maybe are putting more men in the box. I, I really like the secondary. I definitely think it's the strength of the team. Yeah, a lot of star talent out there. Cody Moon is his linebacker. 149 tackles transferred in from New Mexico, you know, leading the team in tackles again, man. So just a lot to like there. Any pro prospects you've seen from this team, you know, early, because I got to go back to your days of the tailgate, man. And you guys were all talking about the pro prospects. Who's coming up? Who's the next guy coming from San Diego state? You got anybody for us, my man? Nothing right now. Honestly, no one I'm really to put a flag on. I, I, I think that, got to see more games with some of these younger players. I, I, I like what I've seen from the secondary thus far, but you're still, even if you are looking at NFL talent on San Diego state right now, like day three players, like you're not like, there's no Cameron Thomas on this yeah. team. There isn't a Rashad Penny on this team. Some guys that have gone on day one or day two. I think that the linebacking core has been a strength for the team for a while now as well. I think the addition of the transfer is helpful for that part of the defense, but even going back to some of the, Line, like Calvin Munson, who I still think is trickling through the league right now, I think for the Patriots or the Dolphins, that's another linebacker. Like that energy for the defense has just slowly moved away. And the recruiting ever since, um, you know, Rocky Long had left, that was the former head coach before Brady yeah. took over. The recruiting has just not necessarily been the same. It hasn't been the same. Rocky Long was able to convince people to like legitimately show up for San Diego State. And he's the one who brought a lot of the defensive strategies to the program. I, I feel like I've been bagging on Hoke. I'm not bagging on Hoke. Hoke's the man. I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's the coach of San Diego State. But if you want to be serious, if you want to get serious and move to the Pac-12 or move to the Big 12 or wherever they're going to go, 
you're going to have to bring in a dog. You're going to have to bring in someone who can get on the trail and bring in four stars, four star, five stars. Yeah, Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's as it comes down to the college football game. Snapdragon Stadium, have you been? And I am not even sure what that is. Is it like Game of Thrones <laughs> naming a football stadium? Like, I don't know what's going on with that. Talk to me, though. It looks like a beautiful stadium. I've seen it from the highway. Haven't gotten yeah. it myself. Have you actually made the, the trip down there? I have been there. It was a blowout win for San Diego State, which is just good energy. I, I, I oh, do yeah. think it, it doesn't feel – like a football stadium and that that's coming from someone who went on a tailgate tour in 2021 i've been to penn state wide out i've been to tuscaloosa yeah i mean you have been 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 i've been to michigan i've seen ohio state i i know what it's like when you get i'm from oakland california i went to san diego state obviously i had opinions of what tailgate culture was i had opinions of what stadium culture was you go the further you go east the further you realize you west coast has no idea like I went to the USC game, the week zero opener against San Jose State, and like they have the best player in the country, and there's like no one there. San Diego State's not that different. They don't have obviously anyone named Caleb Williams. So I, I do wish that the atmosphere was similar to any you know school in some of these bigger conferences. It is a nice stadium. It's nice that there is one in San Diego. It's nice that football is played in San Diego, especially after the Chargers left. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know if the West Coast is ever going to have some juggernaut college football team that puts you know, some of these numbers that we see with some of these other stadiums, like 80, 90,000, you know, obviously Michigan, Penn State have gotten over 100,000 people in the stadium. Will the West Coast team ever get there? I don't know. I, I really don't. And obviously San Diego State's not even the first on that list. You look at a UCLA, you look at a USC, like are one of these teams going to be teams that put people back in the seats? I mean, USC for their week zero opener with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, the projected number one quarterback I've quarterback, ever seen at the college level. Like, it's just like, come on. They literally like, had – they literally had seats covered up because they couldn't sell out. That's a disaster. Yeah. That doesn't ha- – Penn State could have the worst quarterback of, the, of their entire program, and that week one game if it is going to be sold out. Like, that's how football is treated in other parts of the country. So I definitely think my view is a little bit jaded in that I want a full stadium. Sue me. Sue me that I want a full stadium when you show up. Dude, absolutely, man. And, like, I really think the only place on the West Coast that can really resemble that – is the Oregon Ducks, you know, and I guess yeah. if you want to you I've know, been to Austin Utah. as well. Austin is absurd. If you want to loop in Utah as well, I know they've got an insane home crowd. It's a very tough place to win at Rice Eccles out there in Salt Lake. But man, even you look at Washington's tailgate setup. It's like yeah, you can I mean it's sailgate, I guess is the term with the S at the front of it. It's so awesome, but man, it's just not there, which is the audiences, unfortunately, man. Uh gotta get a final game prediction, man. Who are you leaning towards? in the UCLA-San Diego State game. And uh, do you think that spread is going to be covered for UCLA if they do win? This is a UCLA win, unfortunately. Unfortunately, (laughs) this is a UCLA win. If you do want to back San Diego State, I would back them plus seven and a half first half, keeping it within a score of the first half, coming out with your biggest punch, your opening script, and trying to keep this game close, especially at home at Snapdragon, where it's going to be maybe eight people there. That, to me, is where you got to show up. Because by the time the second half turns around, I don't know. UCLA is a better team. They've got better Joes. They got better Jimmy's. Like that's just how it's, that's why the spread is what it is. I also would think I would give the coaching edge to Chip Kelly. I think what he's done at UCLA is really impressive. Not only with who he's brought in, but to maintain relevance on a coast where no one cares about the sport. Like there's so little interest in college football on the West coast compared to every part of the country. It's a hard place to win. It's a hard place to build culture. It's a hard place to build prominence and, and importance. And I think, 
it's underrated what Chip Kelly has done at UCLA. Obviously, he hasn't brought in a national championship, but you know how hard that's going to be? Like, if USC doesn't do it with Caleb Williams and, and Lincoln Riley and they brought in Cliff Kingsbury as this additional coach, and I don't know. Like, at that point, it's it's hard. It's really, really hard to see how a West Coast, even in the Power Five, that kind of team gets back to national championship consideration until, like, legitimate culture changes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mr. Austin Gill, so good to see you as always, man. Thank you for coming on and breaking down this San Diego State-UCLA game. You were the only right answer for this podcast, so, man. We were thrilled to have you on, dude. And, uh, man, all the best to you, man. We look forward to hopefully connecting with you soon, bro. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. And Bruin Bible, we are officially out. We will have more coming on this UCLA-San Diego State matchup later in the week. Talk to you guys soon.